1: everybody welcome to it this is the porch a volquest baseball podcast we got former tennessee first baseman luke lipsius is going to join us today and every thursday for the porch please like and subscribe to the volquest youtube channel and let's share this video get it out in front of more tennessee baseball fans and you can always check it out at volquest.com hey tennessee looked good so far in the early season yeah i know it was a one and two record out in arizona you want to have more wins if you're going that far, but overall, I think a lot of positives came from playing out West. Then he came back and uh, you took care of some midweek action against Alabama AM. So uh, I'm going to talk here for the first 10, 13 minutes or so. Then we're going to welcome on Luke Lipsius and we go for about 20 minutes and that's going to be your show here today. Uh, the weekend schedule, it's against the Dayton Flyers, 4.30 p.m. Eastern time, first pitch on Friday, two o'clock Eastern time on Saturday, one o'clock Eastern time on on Sunday. And of course, you can always follow along with that action, volquest.com, the general scorters. And if you're not tuning in to the live baseball coverage, I encourage you to do so if you like on the front page, I have the live updates tab. Of course, I've got the game thread link in there, but I update as the scoring happens throughout. And at the end of the game, that story turns into a, how did it happen? Where I get the final stats about the pitchers, Um, you know, the, the scoring summaries, post-game video, all that type of stuff. And then of course we got your quick takes at the end of the game as well. So follow along with baseball coverage over vocal each and every game. All right. So Tennessee Friday night in Arizona falls three to one to Arizona, a little bit sloppy, uh, really against grand Canyon specifically, there was some base running blunders, uh, there were some errors, and I didn't think Tennessee's. I just thought Tennessee's offense was kind of stagnant against Arizona. But it was day one, of course. You had the Maui situation where, um, you know, two hours before first pitch, it's announced that uh, he's he's awaiting eligibility clearance, and um, I still, at the time of this recording, I still think that this is not going to be something that lingers long into the season. I truly think this will be resolved pretty soon. Um, and, you know, and Tennessee wants t- Tennessee wants its. Uh, it's guy out there, you know. There's no doubt about it, and um, you know Tony Vitello, you know, spoke after the Tuesday midweek, um, th- this past week against Alabama A&M, and spoke on Mauiahuna. He was asked post game, and I'll go ahead and read some of those quotes here. He said the question was any idea when he, uh, any idea when he will be available. Tony Vitello on Tuesday night said. No, I don't have a specific update. I know we have professionals and different entities working on it, and that makes me feel as good as I can. Hopefully him, Maui, as good as he can as well. Uh, People who are way more professional than me, and there's a lot of people out there looking out for the kid's sole interest. Hopefully an update will come soon, but I don't have anything specific right now. quote. Question, how is he handling this? Quote, like a champ like a dang champ he's been really he's been really about getting in the extra work here off the field because he knows he's not burning those calories out there he's been jazzy's biggest fan that's awesome jazz love he's been next to him in warm-ups he's fun loving kid in general i thought his family has handled it as about as well as they could have as well this weekend and quote question when did you learn about maui not being able to play quote specifically for me it was, uh, it was, I would say, 24 hours prior to first pitch in Arizona, end quote. And then finally, did you know that this was a possibility? Quote, yeah, there had been some things that alluded to that a little bit. Uh, still the situation, I mean, he's out there in in uh, in Arizona. His family has come to watch him play. Still, Tennessee didn't think that he would not be playing against Arizona. So, again... Uh, hopefully, you know, that's that's the latest quotes and updates from Tony Vitello at the time of this recording on Maui Ahuna. I don't think that this is going to be a thing that lingers. I, I truly do think it'll be resolved pretty soon. But um, you know, we'll have to see exactly what's going on. Until then, Tennessee's got to find a way. So uh back to the Arizona game where I originally was. Tennessee Tennessee falls three to one. Thought Chase Dolander uh was not perfect, but I thought he was I thought he I thought he was fine. You know, seven strikeouts. He really settled in after that 29. Uh, pitch first inning Um, and Arizona's a really really good club especially offensively but Tennessee's bats were just super cold on the night actually out hit Arizona in this game by one uh, but we're just cold on the night you're not going to win games a lot of times in 1-0 fashion you got to score more than that Grand Canyon you guys have heard me you know preach this several several times since uh, Tennessee played out there Um, environment was incredible 6,000 fans standing room only berms all that type of stuff yelling, heckling band is on the field. There's mascots, there's cheerleaders. I mean, it's, it's just a, it's a unique environment and uh, it was fun. It was a great environment for the Cincy team to take part in here in the early portions of the season Uh, defense. Sloppy defense, three errors in that game, and then you know Tennessee ran itself out, uh, ran itself into outs on the base pass twice in that game. One, Zane Denton trying to go to first to third with two outs later in that ball game, and he was thrown out by a mile. And then the next one, Austin Jazz loves just trying to make a play, ball gets away from the first baseman, but it ricochets and comes right back to that first baseman. He throws him out at second base. Uh, it's unfortunate, but again, I wrote it, I've said it. When the margin for error is so thin. Sloppy baseball will get you beat. Sloppy baseball running it outs on the base pass. Sloppy baseball making errors in the field. That's what Tennessee was on Saturday against Grand Canyon. And it's unfortunate because again, Chase Burns well, was magnificent. I thought I thought he was I thought he was good. I thought he was good. I thought Andrew Lindsay was good. You know, um, it was good to see Seth Halverson on Friday night, good to see Andrew Lindsay on Saturday night, good to see. Kirby Connell come in and, and get Tennessee out of jams in both nights. You know, he's a guy that pitched really well this season, not a whole lot, but pitched really well over the weekend that nobody's talking about. Uh, and then you go on to Sunday and, you know, Tennessee kind of was able to, to do what it did. Seven to nothing, that victory over UC San Diego. It was really, really good. Now, Drew Beam was marvelous. He threw about 85 pitches, I think. He was perfect for the first time through the order, perfect through his first 11 batters. Um, he was magnificent did a really really good induced nine ground ball outs that that's that's solid nine ground ball outs for drew beam who always pitches to contact anyway uh, but i was a really good showing from him and then the bats started to come alive tennessee had a four run seventh inning which was big that kind of blew this game wide open and uh, tennessee is able to come back and salvage something of course tennessee did what it did in the midweek as well but um i, I think that there's a lot to learn and grow from from this weekend, where you face good competition, and now you come back to Lindsey Nelson Stadium for the next month, playing uh, non-competitive baseball for the most part on a routine basis uh, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Uh, guys who have started out the season really hot. I mean, let's start with the conversation with Blake Burke, uh, hitting over four hundred. My goodness, man! He at one point in time he was three of his last four with three extra base hits earlier this week, two home runs. He's had a triple. He had a three run blast on Tuesday. <clears throat> he is. Played really really well, and it was good to see Jared Dickey come alive as well. On Tuesday's midweek game, he did not record an out. I, I believe he was a triple away from the cycle as well. Um, he was really really good. He had a home run. Uh, you know, had, had a double. Um, he he's hit. I think he's hit safely. At one point in time this week in three straight games, which is good to see from Jaron Dickey, who looked like he was pressing just a little bit uh, on that Friday night. Christian Moore, as well, I think, you know, started the season off hot, uh, hitting right around 400. Uh, had that home run on that Sunday game at UC San Diego, hitting number two, getting on base. Uh, that's what you want in a two hole hitter. It's good to see. Cal Starks hitting the ball well. Came on Friday night, pinch it opportunities, two for two with two singles homeward Tennessee, a two run shot on Saturday to get the Vols the leading on the board. I thought he's a look good and uh had a hit on Sunday. So, you know, Cal Stark, I think, and that's one of my observations that I took away from my baseball 3-2-1, is Cal Stark's gonna play. You know, he'll catch, he'll DH, but that bat is going to be uh, in the order, in my opinion. So, um, you know, overall it's it's just one week, but I think Tennessee baseball, like they're you're trying to figure it out. Again, I've said this repeatedly over the last week. I mean, it's a, it's a team that's replacing everybody at every position except starting pitching essentially. Right. And it's going to take them a little while to kind of figure it out, especially when you still have a gaping hole in your lineup without Maui Huna. Um, and once Ahuna comes back, man, it's, it's going to make it that much deeper. It's going to make it that much deeper because you can peg everybody down a slot and make that middle of the order that much more challenging. So um, I'm looking forward to seeing what this team looks like with Maui in that lineup card. But overall, it's good to have baseball back. Tennessee's going to uh, continue to work on itself and try to figure some things out uh, you know, during this non-conference schedule before hitting SEC play. All right, I've taken up enough of your time. Let's get to Luke Lipsius. What did he think about Tennessee's season opening weekend out of the MLB Desert Invitational? What's he think about his understudy Blake Burke, the Maui situation, the starting pitching, all that and more? Former Tennessee first baseman Luke Lipsius joins us now, right here on the porch. You ready?
0: Showtime on May third. Summer starts with the Fall Guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com.
1: All right, Luke. So over the weekend, Tennessee goes one and two in the MLB Desert Invitational. Um, really good competition, really good environment especially on Saturday night. Kind of what were your overall thoughts on Tennessee's performance out west in the desert?
0: Yeah, well, so I think the first thing is to not panic. You know, going 1 and 2 there is not what anyone wanted. However, we got a lot of the young guys really good reps in great environments in front of big crowds, uh, especially that GCU stadium. I was told by a couple people that place is absolutely awesome. The fans there are electric. Probably going to be close to an SEC atmosphere. Um, so as far as experience goes, a uh, great on the weekend. Now um, pitching defense also did a really good job. If your pitching and defense is always there, then you're going to have a good season. Now the hitting, of course, not there. I thought uh, they looked young. And so what I mean by that is they looked like they had the jitters a little bit. They weren't comfortable, all this stuff that you would expect to see from um, relatively non-experienced hitters. However, Ah, uh, they still have the talent; they'll be able to to succeed. And I think that whole Maui situation got them a little frazzled. No one knew what to do with that. Um, but overall, not a horrible weekend, or not as bad as it looks on paper.
1: Yeah, kind of on that Maui situation, and hopefully there'll be some some resolution to it here. You know, pretty soon, I think that this is not a long-term thing I think you know potentially later this week maybe next week you could see Maui back out there playing but we'll have to see of course mm-hmm. I know this is something that Tennessee thinks is going to get done pretty soon uh but you know if you go back to regional play last year uh, you guys had to get ready to go without one of your main guys and Evan Russell um you had a little bit more notice I believe but that's kind of what Tennessee had to do for the opening opening series and I know that he's not I mean he was going to make his Tennessee debut so he's not like been in the clubhouse for a long time but Kind of how are you supposed to react when one of your your key guys is kind of a late scratch to the lineup?
0: you know you never really know what to do especially when it comes that close to game time so you don't have time to prepare what V does so such a good job at though is uh, preparing you to be adaptable so the, the that's really the only thing you can do is is adapt and know that the next person up has your back you have their back that kind of stuff um, but still it's it's hard to shake that getting mad at someone for uh, making someone not able to play or being like okay what are we going to do now those are normal thoughts but you just got to shake them as much as you can and I think with the inexperience the youngness it was a little bit harder for those guys to shake it as opposed to let's say a a six-year senior you know
1: (laughs) yeah yeah no doubt for sure and a lot of these guys in the lineup I mean they've you know been complimentary players in years past but now they're everyday players they're 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 kind Mm -hmm. of the guys and like the the Burks and, and the Moores and the Dickies and all that. And, I mean, now they are the guys. And so trying to trying to kind of adjust to that a little bit as well. Let's go back to the weekend. You said uh, the, the game Saturday, you know, the environment might rival a, a, an SEC environment. And I couldn't agree more. I mean, there were uh, – I was there. There were 6,000 screaming fans, heckling fans the entire time. There was a band. There was cheerleaders. <laughs> there was uh, there was mascots. The, the, all that on the field, I hadn't seen anything like it. It was pretty neat and um you know tennessee played well enough to win in, in that baseball game like that type of environment i think is going to be huge because as you well know you play like this little beginning tournament of the, of the season you go back to lindsey nelson stadium and you're not going to see that consistent level of competition for the next month mm-hmm. until you leave for sec play at the middle of march
0: that that's exactly right so i think having this experience of playing really good teams not that anyone else on the schedule isn't really good it's just going on the road, going in different environments, playing a different kind of baseball, you know, out out West, um, playing in front of all these fans, playing good teams. It's really good to get that under your belt as soon as possible. And now these next few series is before conference starts, you can go out and fine tune, uh, fix the issues that you saw in that first series and just keep on building confidence um, with that in the back of your mind. I also think, um, this may sound a, a, a little bad, but I think as far as losing the first couple of games is a really good humbling experience for these younger kids that are riding off of last year's high. Um, and so just being humbled early on, I think will make them work even harder and play up to their fuller potential than they would have if, let's say, their road to SEC play was easy.
1: All right, let's go to Friday night, Tennessee, Arizona, um, you know, Chase Dolander. He takes the ball and he goes four and two thirds. I think he had 81 pitches. Of course, you know, the the, the pitchers, they were all on, you know, pitch counts. You're not going to go 100 pitches and, you know, seven, eight innings uh, typically on opening weekend. But, uh, Doe he had 29 pitches in the first inning. But after that, I thought he really kind of settled down really in innings three and four. And then a little bit into the fifth, I thought he settled down a little bit. Still had seven strikeouts. Wasn't his best on the night, but that Arizona lineup, I feel like, is is good enough to be like a regional team. And of course, this is a team two years removed from Omaha, much like Tennessee. I, I thought that was um, not the best, Dolander, but still good enough to win at the Bats when it came around.
0: Uh, I completely agree. Anytime a staff puts up three or less, your offense should be able to score that many or more. So I, I totally agree. It was a, a winnable game. Uh, Doe came out, looked a little bit shaky. I think no one was extremely surprised by that. You know, it's his first outing. It's his first inning. Um, but what was great to see is him come back and kind of put it on cruise control, you know, gather himself and and really finish strong in his outing. Um, that was great to see. And then as far as that Arizona team, they're extremely well coached. I believe that new coach they have has had uh, plenty of time in the majors, um, so now he's coaching college. Um, so he's a great coach. He's going to have their their hitters really disciplined, all that good stuff. My favorite part of the night um, was seeing Seth, Seth Halverson do what he did. Yeah, and I think he's going to be such an integral part, and in having him come out on a stage like that and performing, huge for his uh, confidence, huge for the Vols' confidence. Um, and so I, I think all those are pluses on the night.
1: Yeah, so how, how Seth Halverson made his comeback, made his Tennessee debut. On Friday night, pitching three innings uh, in a piggyback fashion, essentially, with, uh, with Chase Dolander. On Saturday, it was Chase Burns who started out, and then it was Andrew Lindsey who came on and made his comeback in his Tennessee debut and pitched, I want to say, two, at least two and a third. Uh, I can't remember, but he, he pitched a little bit as well. It might have been three. Um, I thought that was really good, but in terms of Chase Burns, I thought he pitched better than Dolander. Um, six strikeouts. He retired off, the, I think six or seven in a row at one point in time. He left the game with the lead in hand, um, and he threw about seventy, you know, five pitches or whatever. I thought Chase Burns looked pretty good, um, you know. Obviously, until Sunday, I thought he, you know, looked the sharpest of any Tennessee pitcher. I thought it was a good outing for Chase Burns out of the gate.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I think it was too. You know, he's they're both so steadfast in what they do because the stuff's so good and they always fill up the zone. So, you know, it's it's hard to say one did better than the other. Um, but I, I think they, they both did well. You know, if, if we can have outings like that consistently, of course, it's his first outing. And the fact that he is not showing any signs or not showing many signs of being uncomfortable, of being uh, too jazzed up, frazzled, all that stuff are really good signs, you know, because um, people tend to come out Nerves are high, uh, not showing your best stuff, a little bit like what Dolly did. Um, and that just shows the the poise that A is instilled in these guys. But I thought Burns did absolutely fantastic. Lindsey, his stuff is absolutely gross. Um, but, yeah, again, they, they put up four, I think. Um, one of those – I don't know what the earned run total was, but it seemed like one or two were, like, really earned, you know. Um, yeah, two was, two
1: were earned. Two were four runs total. Two were earned.
0: And and of those two, you know, you could even argue that only one was really earned because it seemed like our outfield was playing way too far back. You yeah. know, some some bad jumps maybe, and then a missed pick here and there. So they're not errors on the board, but they are kind of defensive mental mistakes um, that can be cl- cleaned up. And you know, it's it's also a different place. Um, you're making sure balls aren't hit over your head, that kind of stuff. But again, you score or your staff gives up four. Offense should be able to help it out. So I, I think that those are a couple of things that show that while we did lose, we didn't lose in a fashion to be scared of anything. And of course, the staff did did great. Chase Burns did great.
1: So I, I want to stay talking pitching. Um, you go to Sunday, and I'm not going to sit here and say that UC Davis's line, UC San Diego's lineup. Um, is anything comparable to that of Arizona or Grand Canyon because I just don't think it is however Drew Beam was marvelous um, he goes six in and strong, strong um, 85 pitches or something like that uh, he was perfect through his first 11 batters uh, through the order uh, he was really really good and you know spoke with him post game it's like hey you know, this is my opening day and we needed a win so we went and got it and um you know i was really impressed with him but also i'd love for you to comment on a guy that you know very well and and, and zach joyce coming back make, making his comeback and and his tennessee debut as well as big weekend for debuts um he came on with two on in scoring position only one out back-to-back strikeouts really the only adversity filled time in the game for tennessee or one of the few was in that moment. He comes in and gets the job done. That was great to see Zach Joyce come on and in that situation and leave unscathed.
0: Yeah, well, so I'll, I'll uh, start with Drew Beam. He is, I think he's the most calm and collected pitcher we have. Uh, Chase and Dolly get all this praise for their stuff, which they should. And then Drew's just kind of hiding in the shadows. But uh, going back to last year, it seems like Drew's the one that started strong, stayed strong, finished strong. You know, he was the most dependable pitcher on our staff last year and looks like maybe to to even be this year you know it seems like nothing phases him um of course like you said it's not as good of a lineup however i think his stuff could have competed with either one of the previous two teams um so that's just drew being drew he's a a great guy fantastic pitcher he's gonna have so much success but zach joyce coming out for one the coaching staff having the confidence in him to make his debut in that situation just tells you what you need to know about this coaching staff and what they are and how they believe in him and for him to go out and sit the next two batters down uh, runners in scoring position. One out is absolutely fantastic. Everyone knew he had the stuff. Uh, we were just seeing if the mind was there and, and it turns out it is. So I'm, I'm so excited to see what he has. Um, I know he's got so much pride for Tennessee and, and last year's what brought him back to baseball. So I know he's, he's so excited. I know Ben's excited for him, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, it was great to see his family was there. Ben was there. Um, it, was, it was a really good moment for him post game. So, uh, super thrilled for him and that family. All right, we're uh, you know about eleven minutes into our chat, and uh, I wanted to ask you about your replacement. Man, he's smacking the the cover off the baseball right now. That's Blake Burke. At one point in time earlier this week, he was three for his last four with three extra base hits. Um, he's got two home runs. Uh, he had a triple Sunday home run. He had a three-run home run there in the midweek this week. Um, He's on fire right now. Uh, What can you say about uh, your understudy in Blake Burke?
0: Yeah, so I think he's basically playing as expected. You know, I don't know if on fire is even the right word because um, he's going to be on fire the whole season. His bat just plays. And so um, seeing the whole offense struggle a little bit that first game and then him kind of carrying and and just being that that steadfast hitter that you can count on that presence in the lineup that's what you're going to see all season um he's going to hit a lot of home runs he's going to hit a lot of extra base hits he's going to get on he's going to be that presence in the lineup that other teams are marking um and so he's just going to do his thing i've never really seen him get um have the moment be too big you know even dating back to last year hitting in the sec tournament hitting in these big games he doesn't get phased by it um and so he also played a pretty good first base minus a few uh, defensive mistakes at pick, but, you know, um, hitting wise, he's going to be there. He's doing what, what he does. Um, and so it's, it's awesome to see him smacking balls out of the yard this early.
1: As a first baseman, um, you know, I've watched a lot of baseball the last couple of days, so it might be running together, but I believe it was the jazz love play at grand Canyon. The throw was a little high. It was off the mitt of Burke throwing air goes to jazz love. I believe should that have been a play that Burke made and if so should the error have gone to the first baseman
0: so it's those are always tough to say you know um who who does the error go to i think the it line... was it was
1: a hurried play it was a heck of an effort by jazz love mm-hmm. and, and yeah the throw's a little high but i mean if he would have made that play i mean that would've been like an all-star type play so yeah
0: so that I think you, you uh, blame that on the GCU people. I know the hitter probably wanted a hit out of that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but as far as Coach A would always say, if it hits your glove, you should catch it. I don't so far believe that because, you know, if you're stretched out to your max, um, then sometimes it will just hit the glove and go off. However, it, they've done enough work to where it should have been a better throw and Burke's done enough work to he probably should have caught it, you know. So it's, it's kind of on both of them.
1: I mean, hey, it's baseball sometimes, right? I mean, you're not you're not going to make every single play, but I was kind of curious because I could see that going either way. They gave the air to Jazz Love, I'm pretty sure. If they would have gave the air to Burke, i would been like, okay, I, I see that as well. So exactly. Um, all right, let's, let's look at this outfield, man. Um, it, it's very much musical chairs right now, which we kind of knew it would be. Mm-hmm. Um. Jared Dickey, who I thought would play a whole lot of center field, who I was told would play a whole lot of center field, has logged one game at center field. That doesn't mean he's, gonna go, he's not going to see it again. I'm sure he will. But he's primarily been in right field the last couple of games. Um, Kyle Booker looks like he's been pretty much a mainstay in left so far. And then it's been a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Christian Scott's been in there at center field in the right field. Um, Griffin Merritt finally made his debut in the field after hitting on Sunday and he was at the corner outfield. Uh, what we haven't seen at the time of this recording, again, we're recording this before Wednesday's midweek, we haven't seen a freshman starter in the outfield, which is very surprising. Um, how long do you think it'll kind of take for Tennessee to kind of figure it out back there in terms of, you know, maybe just like who is where on a routine basis, or do you think we might expect to see a lot of that mixing around all season long?
0: Um, You know, just. Going off of experience, I would expect to see a, a pretty good amount of mixing in. What V likes to, does, to do is play people based on the pitcher they're facing, right? So if you're yep. facing a lefty, you're going to want a more righty-heavy outfield. Let's say maybe Christian Scott's not playing that day, something like that. Um, righty's pitching, you can mix in more of the lefties, that kind of deal. But as far as settling in, I wouldn't expect to see much settling until, let's say, SEC play. Um, and that's when you'll get – pretty consistent Friday and Saturday starters maybe mix it up Sunday or again you start seeing this pattern where if a lefty's pitching it's like this if a righty's pitching it's like that Uh, but I would not expect to see any settling in basically anywhere um, until about SEC play and that's when um, things really start to to fire forward you can expect a lot as opposed to oh he's here today I I didn't expect that you know
1: and of course too, you can always have those late defensive replacements that Tony likes to do. Exactly. Like a Christian Scott who's got a glove as big as the outfield to begin with, you know, coming in and playing an awful lot. And so, um, you know, that I think might be, you know, and, and and maybe Charlie Taylor coming in if he's not behind the plate that game, maybe he comes in in the seventh inning, catches the last three innings, you know, stuff like that. Um so I I, I wanna I wanna ask you about uh, you know, what what happened on Tuesday night. Have you ever seen a walk off two run home run? for a run rule victory in baseball?
0: <laughs> uh, Yeah, not in college baseball. I think yeah. in like some high school games, you know, you see that. But this new run rule is going to be something that um, the balls hopefully will get used to. I know last year, I don't think uh, we would have set as many offensive records if that run rule was there. So, you know, thankful for that. But <laughs> um, it's it's really good for pace of play, especially um, these Tuesday, Wednesday midweeks. It's huge to save pitching. Um, going into the weekend, you know, you kind of – game plan as much as you can. You never know what's going to happen in a baseball game. So for that reason, I think it's amazing. Now um, I'll just go ahead and talk about Ryan Miller who hit the, the walk off him coming in first at bat, I believe as a ball ever.
1: Yep. yep. Uh,
0: and hits a home run uh, to walk off the game. That's great for him. That guy grinds as hard as anyone else. Uh, he's a really good hitter and he always does well um, during inter squads, all that stuff. Awesome to see him do that. But as far as a, a walk off, in the eighth inning, uh, I I think that's a a pretty neat thing. And um, I think it's good for the game, especially at at those points. You know, if someone's getting beat by 15, 20, um, it's okay to call it, I think. I know V would say differently. He wants to play (laughs) it to the end every single time. But as far as pitching is concerned, as far as the guys staying rested is concerned, um, especially as we go later into the season, maybe not so much right now, uh, I think it's great for the game.
1: Yeah, on the flip side, you might want to get in some more pitching. So um... That is true. You you want to keep on going? I mean, that that's what the midweeks are for. So it's kind of a uh, you kind of where you at that week type situation. All right, man. So coming up this weekend, you got Dayton uh, again. I'm not going to act like Tennessee's going to run the table. Very much could is, is you know obviously could run the table in non conference play, but I man, that's a lot of games. But the competitiveness in this non conference play over the next month is just not going to be where it was this last weekend. Um, what does Tennessee need to continue to do in terms of? I kind of view all this as like working on themselves. Um, before conference play starts and it starts, you know, this week with midweek, but also this weekend with Dayton kind of what's as a veteran, kind of what's your approach to this portion of the season before sec play?
0: Yeah, well, I think you said it, said it great. It's working on yourself, fine tuning, everything you can, uh, right now, while the mistakes are costly, they're not as costly, let's say, as SEC. You know, we're not going to sugarcoat it. The SEC is more important than these non-conference games. But that doesn't mean that you need to take it less serious, if that makes sense. So every Friday night guy is a Friday night guy for a reason. He's going to come out. He's going to have some great stuff, some great confidence. Um, and so that, that experience on Friday and Saturday and Sunday is crucial for anyone. Now, playing at home for the first time is going to be great for a lot of these guys that don't have – that lindsey nelson experience you know playing as the home team fantastic for them um again get those keep getting the the jitters out um keep fine-tuning everything making sure everything is working correctly um but as far as it's just baseball you know so everyone's filling into their roles or trying to do their best um it's it's a home game so everyone's going to be super excited uh all that stuff but it's it's fine-tuning right now and and making sure that you're the best you can be entering that SEC play
1: Luke man it's been fun we're two weeks in love talking a little Tennessee baseball with you appreciate you uh, taking the time and I know you'll be watching this weekend and uh, let's do it again next week talking about let's see Tennessee could potentially be what math was never my my greatest subject what like six and six and two at this point in time next week so
0: three six and two yep
1: yeah yeah let's uh let's see if that happens all right
0: let's hope so thanks for having me can't wait till next week
1: all right, brother. Appreciate it, man. That's Tennessee former first baseman Luke Lipsius and uh, agreeing to uh, join us here on the porch every single week. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of the Porch of VolQuest Baseball Podcast. Tennessee enters the weekend against Dayton, the first home opening series of the year, first home series of of the year at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So looking forward to that Friday night It is going to be a four o'clock Eastern time first pitch, just like the midweeks this week. Saturday, it's going to be two o'clock in the afternoon. Sunday, it's going to be one o'clock in the afternoon. That is when first pitches are going to be thrown. So uh, really, really looking forward to that. Um, Hopefully we'll continue to have some clarity on some situational battles, some outfields, the shortstop position, all that and more. And as Tennessee continues to kind of come into its own, but um, I think then he's going to be getting back on track. And now that it is at home, of course, midweeks are already uh, over with and uh, looking forward to piling up some uh, some W's in that column there. All right, I'm Eric Kane here at VaultQuest.com. Appreciate you for following along. The coverage over VolQuest.com, the General's Quarters. We got the game threads, how it happened, the four quick takes, all the videos on our YouTube channel, all that and more. You can always follow us at VolQuest.com for Tennessee baseball coverage with me eric kane appreciate you guys we'll do it again next week this is the porch a ball quest baseball podcast with Luke
0: okay round two name something that's not boring a laundry oh a book club computer solitaire huh ah oh, sorry we were looking for chumba casino